Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 89. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So we have got another great guest for you this week, Kavit Harrier. Now, Kavit started his first online business in 2005, selling music education to musicians. Mistakes and failures taught him how to build a thriving online business using intricate and automated sales and marketing funnels, generating over a million dollars in sales per year. Since 2013, Kavit has offered a service called Automated Business System, helping people with passion and expertise take what they know from an idea to launch. This team builds your entire business for you and then guides and markets you to six figures in your first year, helping you to create a perfect freedom business. He has run workshops and keynotes in the US, the UK and Australia. Now Covet puts the knowledge and inspiration into his new book, Don't Sleep On It. Turn your passion and expertise into a profitable business. And I am so looking forward to speaking to Cabot today. So Cabot, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to speaking to you because I know this is a topic that often keeps coming up with my clients. Um, so, I'm, But before we really get started, can you give us a little bit of a backstory that's brought you here today? Oh, wow. Big question. Okay. I mean, I started off, I, well, I was born in London and then my parents took me to Lagos, Nigeria, where my dad had a timber business. And so I grew up for 11 years of my life there. And then I came back to London. But while I was in Lagos, Nigeria, this one interesting thing happened, which I think is really responsible for bringing me where I am today. And that is that my mom was very keen that we had this Indian heritage come through. So I'm born in London. My parents are born in Kenya and my grandparents are born in India. Essentially, I'm a British Indian, but my parents were very keen. My mom specifically was very keen for us to have the Indian heritage in our lives. So she would regularly take us to the temple and the temple was half an hour away. We would drive there maybe once every two weeks. And there was this one festival I remember where I wasn't really into religion or anything like that. But I saw this group of musicians on the side playing these devotional hymns. And one guy specifically was playing the tabla, which is a North Indian drum. And I was mesmerized by the way his fingers were growing and, and, and excitedly playing on, on the drum. So instead of playing the tabla, which is two pieces, a percussion instrument, like the bongos and the congos, where you play with your palms, you're playing, you're playing the tabla with your fingers. So actually, it's dubbed the most difficult percussion instrument in the world. And I've, I was so curious that my mom must have noticed that curiosity and grew it further. So I started attending classes. And ever since, I've been learning and playing the tabla. And so for many, many years, I learned to play. I learned to play in Lagos. I learned to continue playing in London. And then in 2002, I decided that I was ready to play professionally. That was what I wanted to do. This was the thing that I wanted to make my own. But obviously, growing up in London, not only am I influenced by pop and jazz, I'm also influenced by all kinds of music, like reggae and Latin and hip hop and folk music. And on the other side, I'm learning how to play this Eastern instrument. So in my mind, uh, I'm going wild thinking, you know what, the world could be healed through music if I could find a way to bring it all together. And I wanted to create this fusion type of music. And, you know, today you listen to many popular songs and you hear the tabla in the, in the songs. And many people who know the instrument will recognize it and those that don't may not, but you hear it everywhere. And at that time it wasn't around and I was really, really keen to make it happen. And so that was really the start of my music career. And I struggled. I dealt with self-confidence issues. I dealt with issues of, you know, the starving artist mentality, which a lot of musicians have. And this, that's why they wouldn't really want to practice with me unless I could offer them fixed gigs or recording opportunities. And so I came out of that. I ended up t touring the UK and, and Europe and some of Africa, playing very often for three to four years. Ended up playing at some really great venues. And Jeff, you'll know, you know, I do a lot of American podcasts, but it's great to have a Brit here because you'll you'll... You'll very, very, very well know the Royal Albert Hall in London. And uh, I played with J Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. I played with Paul McCartney. I played with some interesting names, you know, and it was really great fun. And a lot of people were asking at the same time, how was I getting those gigs? How was I getting the exposure? And how was I making sales? And I quickly realized because I was asking, because I was getting these questions so often, 
I quickly realized that the dream of an unsigned music artist is to quit their day job so that all they do all day and night is to focus on that muse, focus on that creativity and to develop something that they're really happy about, but also be, be earning from it. And they don't need to be super financially rich, but they just want to be earning from it. And so uh, I realized that the recipe for that was to, one, learn how to grow your marketing as a musician, two, learn how to sell, and three, how to get more gigs. And um, most musicians suffer. I always say that the worst music is always at the top of the charts and the best music goes unheard. And the reason for that is because the best musicians uh, typically will shy away from uh, finding out how to promote themselves, how to market themselves. We just want to focus on creating the music and not the marketing. But thankfully to a mentor that I had very early on, he said, if you really want to make it big and get found and play and perform and be well known, you have to have to learn how to you know, be in your own skin and be comfortable and talk about what you're doing. And so uh, in 2005, I started a company called Insider Music Business because, you know, the demand was there. And I started to write ebooks and CDs and DVDs and coaching programs and membership sites. And I created 35 different products over a period of five years up to 2010. We had a database of 120,000 musicians around the world, all interested in learning all of these different things. And I would say that in this one business that, and I remember, I don't have any business skills. Uh, the actual, the only thing that I really know is how to be a geneticist because my degree was three years in genetics. Uh, and so I have no skills in business, although I would say that I was always around business people. My parents, my dad was a businessman. I probably grew up subconsciously picking stuff up. So I, I had the drive. I had the ability to go after it no matter what. I was young enough to fail and still know that I had a degree that I could fall back on because it was still the early period of that time in my life. So I felt that I could just go after it. And then I you know, went to the library, read a huge amount of creating websites, no Aweber, no lead pages, no WordPress, nothing like this really existed in 2005. I was coding Dreamweaver websites on in HTML and learning how to do that with a dummies guide. And uh, so all of this stuff really grew organically and I made a huge number of mistakes. Uh, I, I would say that it's because of those mistakes that I would say uh, I then made it work and made it successful and now write about many of those mistakes and speak about them to many people that I work with. So anyway, in 2010, I decided that, okay, I've done really well with this, but I'm also still working 16, 18 hours a day on this business. That's not the whole point of life. And what I'd really love to do is create an opportunity in my business where I don't have to work, but still generate the same number of uh, clients or same amount of revenue. And the reason I was inspired to do that truly was because of a guy named Derek Sivers. And Derek Sivers uh, has a book out, which is really good, but also he started a company called CD Baby. And CD Baby was like Amazon for CDs, and it still exists. It's a very great, it's a very good company. But he started it, and after ten or twelve years, he sold it. But the reason he sold it was because he went away traveling for an entire year, and then came back and realized, without any contact to any of his employees or any of his staff, his business generated the same amount of revenue or more. And he said that is the true definition of an entrepreneur. And I thought, well, I know Derek, and if Derek can do it, then so can I. So I decided to go traveling for an entire year, and I finally managed to automate and systemize and put together the right marketing in my business to make it work. And I traveled for a year and I came back and everything was really good, really happy. Uh, I, I was very fulfilled. I realized also the, the other point that brought it to me at that intersection was that uh, I didn't have any more information to put together in products. I reached this creative end in that business because everything I knew about promoting your music, everything I knew about getting gigs, everything I knew about uh, getting sales and, and opportunities in the music industry, I had created in information in ebooks and CDs and DVDs and coaching programs. And that was it. I, if I created anything else, I was just either making stuff up or trying to rehash stuff. And I wasn't comfortable with either of those two options. So I came back and then I started speaking at, uh, in 2011, at a lot of big independent uh, business, social media, marketing, online marketing conferences to five to 800 people in London. And that spiraled off a whole new career where I was consulting businesses on how to grow their stuff online. Here I was having sort of mastered that craft in the music business. And now people were saying, well, come and help us do it. Come and help us do it. So I did about 20 consulting gigs in, in that year. And really, I felt like built up so much experience across the industry, but also cemented the idea that how to build a business online, the skeleton of a business online is essentially the same in every industry. It's just we all think that we're doing uh, something different and therefore we require something different in the way we build it. But that's not the truth. And so I did the consulting and then I, that led me on into workshops and I ran workshops in London, Sydney and New York for three years, 
several times a year, I would travel and do these workshops. And then I realized, you know what, I'm looking back at these people that have come to the workshops and they had an incredible time at the workshop. I have incredible collections of testimonials from them at the workshop. But when I look back six months after, the longer they've left the workshop, the less they've implemented. So they're not getting the results that they really should do for the amount of money they're paying me, but also for the engagement I'm putting in into the workshop. And so I don't want to do that anymore. And, you know, I, I literally stopped that very, very quickly the moment I had that realization. And then we created automated business system, which has been the best thing I've done in my life so far. And it started in uh, 2013. And basically I said, you know what, I don't want to take 20 people, 30 people in a workshop several times a year. What I want to do is find one person. Uh, and we'll take on a few people every month, but one person who will want to be committed to stay with me for the entire year and know that they're really dedicated to building their craft and their business. And what we'll help them do is go through an entire year of strategy, implementation, and marketing coaching. So we'll help them formulate their idea, formulate their product, formulate their sales funnel. Then we'll have build our team and use our team of eight, nine people that we are here to absolutely build everything for them. The the copy, the design, the filming, the course, the online marketing, the sales funnel, the automation, the payments. So what they really have at the end of 90 days is a fully functional business online on the web. And I thought that that would be really good because that would really give someone the lift off they need to then focus all their energy and enthusiasm on marketing, which we would then coach them on. And so we've been doing that for you know three and a half, four years, maybe a little bit more now. And we've taken 150 people through that process. The results are staggering. Uh, and really amazing to see the number of the amount of income that people are making, you know, in their, their first year of business. And I felt like after all the music business experiences, after the music career stuff, after the consulting, after the workshops, and now all these clients and the model is very much the same for every single one of them. It's time to really put it in a book because I think that so many people are sitting on the sidelines with this incredible contribution they can make to the world. And by not making it in the world, they're robbing the world of that contribution that they can make. So it's time to put it in a book in an easy to understand manner to really wake up people and then get them to see that, hey, if they want to do something on the side or make it full time or keep it part time, they can follow a proven model. And I've laid that model out. So that's where I'm at today. Wow. What, a, what an amazing journey. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's been exciting. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, not only from the, the in the sense of traveling, but also the the different sort of cultures and the experiences you've had that then brought you to this point. It's that's a you can you can even make that up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to say that it's it's all a, it's all been a snowball though. You know, I'm very grateful that I've not had to make. I've not had to, of course, I've had to make the conscious decision about whether it's a path I pursue or not. Every single time something's thrown at me. But the fact that it's thrown at me has just been a snowball of where things are going. And, you know, it's exciting to see where it could potentially go to. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. I've got so many things to, to, to talk about that one. Okay. So the, 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 the first one is, is the one that's really interesting is the hiding musicians. When you talk about the, the sort of the, the best musics at the, at the bottom hiding, hiding away. And I've always, I've, I've come across that with um, coaches you know, people who want to teach and, and help people and even some, you know, business owners, they get so frightened of this, the other stuff, the marketing and all of that sort of stuff that they actually don't get their message out and don't put themselves out there. And do you find that the online, the online process is a, is a, maybe not easier, but is it a better way for them to spread the word and spread their knowledge than the traditional way? In terms of what, though? In terms of, like you're it, saying, the in only, terms the of only... in terms of generating revenue, creating a brand. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm all for it, and and I'm very biased because I don't actually have, and I say this very openly because I don't want to guide somebody into building a business online uh, offline because I actually have no experience. Uh, however, what I do think with that is that everything that you do build online, you've got to find a way to take it offline. So at the end of the day, we live in a world where we're all human beings and we're all selling to human beings. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that the people we want to engage with, the people we want to market to, the people we want to sell to are all human beings with thoughts, with feelings, with, under, with, with emotions, with uh, lives that they're going through, issues they're suffering with. So of course we can pr promote our stuff and build a brand and share stuff and mass market stuff online. But at the end of the day, the relationships that are going to serve our life from a financial perspective and from an emotional perspective 
and the joy that we're going to get in our life, which is the only reason we're in business, by the way, if we're just in business to make money, it's never going to work. It's never going to last. But if, because we're in business for those relationships, I always think that you can start a business to share stuff online, but at the end of the day, you want to humanize the relationships that you love working with by bringing them offline. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, what do you think are the, um, in your experience, are the, are some of the key ways to build that brand to help you, your, you get that sort of that name out to start generating the, not only the interest, but obviously driving people towards your product services and the way that you can help people. Yeah. So I would say the very first thing that you have to be willing to do is to put yourself out there by sharing what you know. So many people are running small businesses and I have no problem with small businesses, but the small businesses are struggling to get uh, clients. When I say small businesses, I'm talking about one person businesses really. And, uh, uh, and you know, somebody who wants to be at home making a specific type of cake uh, or, or stay at home mom who's trying to uh, grow, uh, you know, a, a teaching class, an art teaching class, or a full-time one-person business owner who's a consultant. All of these people are really good at what they do, and they love what they do. But such a such a small entity, and there's nothing wrong with small, but such a small entity should never have to suffer to get clients. And the reason they're suffering to get clients is because they're not willing to demonstrate the value that they have to offer in the world. So number one, give absolutely everything you know in your mind, in your understanding, in your learning, in your education, away for free, which means get out onto a platform, any platform, one platform at least, like your website where you write a blog, or like Instagram where you post images and videos, or like um, Facebook where you want to create video or write posts, or YouTube where you want to create video. Pick one platform, or LinkedIn, or IGTV, or anything. Pick one platform that is really, really good for you and for your audience and then be very consistent at creating content. I say usually that you know, success isn't really measured um, today or tomorrow or in a few or even in two, three years time. Success, sh success should be measured when you look back in five or 10 years time and look at has the work that you've been putting in produced impact in the world and financial freedom for your life. And the only way to produce that success is a very simple equation in my mind, which is passion plus consistency equals success. And so you can have a passion, you can be passionate about something, you can be very good at what you're doing, but if you're not consistently sharing in a form, in a format, in some piece of content on a regular basis, what you're doing, how you're doing it, solving somebody's problem, fixing their issue, remedying their, their pain, you're not gonna reach that point of success. Yeah, yeah. So for you, you would just pick one, because I think so many people get told so many different things. And I often get speak to people who've come up and said, well, you know, I can't, I don't have enough time to go on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and all of them at the same time and create products, uh, create content, sorry. Do you think it's better just to look at one that's best fitted for your audience and just put all of your energy into that? And then once that grows, then start to spread out? Or how do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, I've heard people give all kinds of advice too. And I too have given advice before that's different to what I'm saying right now. But I'm going with the, uh, what, what, what that means is that I've said before, you know what, pick two platforms, pick three platforms. But the reason I'm saying pick one right now is because we're in a world where uh, we are all crying, begging for attention in some way, shape or form in our work. Uh, and if we, if we have a limited time, which everybody has limited time, if we have a limited time we want to spend on our marketing and our creation, then if you spend that, let's say you've got an hour, you spend one hour on Instagram, or you spend one hour across Facebook, Instagram, and, and, and YouTube, which is really just 20 minutes a piece, you will build a platform and an audience and a following and invest better in creating a content when you have that one hour on one platform a day then 20 minutes spread over three. That's the first thing. The second thing is that you will find that it's so much more easier for you to pick up the momentum on a second and third platform when you've really built the first platform to some really good level of reach, good levels of success. So instead of trying to build all three from zero up, you build one up to like 10,000 followers and then you say to them, hey guys, I'm also now on YouTube because I've, you know, I'm building this Instagram thing. I'm loving it. I've got 10,000 followers. Now come and check me out on YouTube as well. And in four, five, six months' time, whenever you're ready to do that, 
then you start producing content, but you're inviting a thousand people from another platform who you've already got, who's not difficult to find anymore to say, come in, find me, and you'll get a few hundred of them come over. And you then have an immediate momentum, immediate you know, inspiration to begin creating content because you've got people there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think that and, probably relieves a lot of people's pressures as well. Yeah, exactly. But also on that note, like I think the the interesting thing is then what what do I do about the other platforms? Because mm. if I'm going to go all in on Instagram or all in on Facebook right now, then what about the others? Well, first claim the other ones, like go and claim your handles or go, go claim your name on the other one if you haven't done that. So, you know, if you, if if you've got if you've got an Instagram account and you want to have the same name on Twitter and LinkedIn and or not LinkedIn, but Twitter and and YouTube and Snapchat or whatever it is that you want to do, then make sure you go claim those accounts for now, because uh, that's very important to know. Because once you've built a, a you know a good profile on one, it may be difficult for you to get that same account on a different one if someone's going to go and take it. And there's a lot of people that do that. So just go and go and do that first. The second thing is that if you're able to then, if you have a team or you have an assistant who has a few hours free a week, uh, or if you want to use a software, although I don't recommend that so much, but if you have an assistant. What you can do is then take your material that you're putting on onto your one platform and have that assistant take it and go and spread it everywhere else for you. You don't have to engage. You don't have to actively. The ideal would be to create different content for every platform, but we don't have enough time sometimes. This isn't our direct focus all the time. So just take that piece of content and go spread it everywhere else. And why don't I run through exactly what I do on my platform to make it really real and to make that make that very clear? The first thing I would do uh, is every day I've made up this this. This, this pattern, if you like, on Instagram. So on my Instagram, uh, I post a one minute video or up to a one minute video of me just thinking and sharing one specific idea and I post that every other day. In between, in the alternate days, I have, have an assistant who watches my videos and pulls out from anything that I've said a quote or a quotable, a one line or a phrase that makes really good sense that if you just read that on its own, it will be like, wow, that's interesting or that's, that's unique or aha. And that gets designed into a quote graphic, which gets posted on Instagram. So every other day, I've got a quote graphic, and all the and on the alternating days, we have a one-minute video. That's a regular pattern that happens every day throughout the entire year. Now, what happens is all that content, so that the Instagram um, quote and the Instagram video, they both get downloaded, and then my assistant, because I'm able to give her a few hours to do that, and if anyone can do that, I think it's a great idea. We'll go into my Twitter, we'll go into my LinkedIn. And we'll go to a Facebook page and post these things uh, on there in a specific rhythm. So now we have our content everywhere, but the main content that I'm responsible for creating is on Instagram. And then everyone, and then Charlotte, my assistant, will go and do it on all the other platforms to take care of the material that we want to put out there because we do get people coming in from there as well. The second thing I do, so that's the first thing. The second thing I do is I do a regular Facebook Live on my Facebook profile. So every Tuesday or every Tuesday and Friday, depending on how my schedule is, I will at least do once a week a Facebook live session where for 15, 20 minutes, a maximum half an hour, I will find an idea to talk about and I will talk about that. And usually these ideas are things like challenges my clients may have, questions my clients may have, issues my clients are facing, uh, things that maybe I've spoken somewhere and I've heard about something or I've spoken to someone and they asked me a question and that stuck with me. I will then just talk about those ideas and give case studies at the same time to prove it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it, and it's, it, and, but for you that, that key thing is the consistency because by doing it um, often and frequently, you are able to keep that sort of level of, if you want noise um, at a, at a constant. So people are constantly being aware of you. Yeah, and there's no better uh, word to define what what's truly going to create success in business than consistency. You know, you have to every day show up, uh, every week show up, every fortnight show up, every month show up. Otherwise, what happens is people start to see that you're unreliable. People start to feel that you're not there when they need them. And also, at the end of the day, in order for you to build a brand that's consistent, that's recognized as an authority, that's authentic you will have to be creating material on a regular basis, be willing to put yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. And how did you, how did you battle that putting yourself out there? Because obviously that's quite <laughs> hard, because that, that is quite a hard thing to do, to go, okay, my head's above the parapet, and social media now has this, you know, this ability to attract the, that sometimes, not always obviously, but sometimes those people that will throw stuff at you 
And it's about growing that thick skin and then dealing with that. How did you deal with that? So the only the only time that I really get a huge number of negativity on social media is when I'm advertising. So I'm advertising. So I'm still creating the same content, but now I'm boosting that content or I'm boosting the video or I'm promoting the video as an ad and people will write all kinds of negative stuff. The very first thing to realize, I think, is that if everything looks five star, then it's not always going to be the easiest thing for people to attach themselves to. What I mean by that is that let's say you're going to TripAdvisor and you're looking for a resort, you know, in Jamaica or wherever you're going that you want to you want to look at. You typically will go and read the reviews or a book on Amazon or a product on eBay or anywhere. You go and read the reviews uh, and you scroll through the reviews. And if there's 5,000 five-star reviews and then there's, you know, 3,000 four-star reviews and then there's five one-star reviews, typically the mind goes to the one-star one review. Yeah. <laughs> and you want, to, you want to read what's negative about that place so that it becomes real and it feels real because no one is ever perfect and perfection is overrated. And so you want to go and find what's true about the place. And so I'm, you know, we published this book uh, and, uh, and we have so many reviews on, on, on Amazon and, and, you know, they're growing and I really want somebody to go and write a four-star review. I really want someone to go and write a three-star review. I don't want them all to be five-star reviews because, and I'm grateful that they are, by the way, I'm grateful that people are loving the material, but I'm, I'm for the purpose of making it real, I would like to see a, a review below five stars. And so the, I approach my marketing and my content creation with the same thing, which is number one, uh, I am going to become, by, by reading, by investing time and in listening to podcasts, by watching TED videos, by constantly being engaged with my customers, by listening to recordings from my salespeople, I am going to want to be in the life of my customer, which therefore means that I will never run out of ideas to share on content which means that because I'm never going to run out of ideas to share in my marketing, uh, I'm going to quickly put together a video, share it, never watch it again, and move on to tomorrow's one. And uh, that's usually the first thing, uh, that, yeah, another thing I would do. I don't really want to watch it back. And then finally, I would say that, you know, at the end of the day, don't, uh, don't, don't perform autopsies on your disasters. Like if you make a, if you make a video that isn't very good, doesn't get much reach, that's great. That's fine. That's absolutely okay. At least you're being told that this topic isn't interesting. And if you make a video that's got a huge number of reach or a huge number of watches or listens or comments, then this is one that you want to continue dissecting and further improving. Hi, guys. So just before we jump over to the second part of the show, I wanted to let you know that Success IQ Alliance, my membership program, will be entering its pilot phase shortly. And I'm looking for a group of people that would like to join me during this phase at the very beginning of the whole process. If you're interested and would like to find out more information, then please email me at info at jeffnicholson.co.uk. Places are limited, but it would be lovely to see you there. Speak soon. Wishing you the greatest success and have an awesome week. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to jump over to the second part of the show where I get an opportunity to answer you a set of questions. I ask every guest who appears on the show. So are you ready, Kavit? Absolutely. Okay, number one is how much time a week do you spend on self-development? That's body, spirit and mind. I meditate twice a, twice a day, okay. typically. That's 45 minutes a day uh, per, per session, so that's twice. And then typically I'll read for an hour. Okay, fantastic. And um, how long have you been meditating? How, if you... uh, five years, five or six okay. years. Okay. And has is that, is that been a, a thing that you have done through the culture of coming through when you said you wanted the Indian heritage and everything? Or is that just something that you have just decided to do because of mindfulness practice and stuff? Mm, I basically, when I came to London and after a few years, one of my cousins took me to this event. And at this event, they were explore, exploring this, this philosophy that you are not the body, you are beyond that. You are consciousness, you are full, your energy, you're a source, you're full of life. Uh, you are the soul ultimately. And the soul, even if this body changes, when it dies, like it changes clothes every day, your soul will always live on. Your soul is where life comes from. And you can remember, you can think about that if you've ever seen a dead body and the body is exactly the same as it was the moment before when it had life, but it's the life that's gone. 
And so I've always been intrigued as to how to find that, how to capture that, you know, how do I get to that? And so I went to India, I met a meditation teacher, a, a spiritual guru, as it was. And uh, he talked about the idea of self-realization, which is how do you realize yourself? And the path to realization starts with meditation. And so that's why I do it. Fantastic. Okay. Question number two is what is your favorite personal development book and why? Oh, wow. What a great question. Uh, I actually love this book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And he talks about a very short book, very simple, very precise, easy to understand and read. And he, he talks about four agreements. And the second agreement is called Don't Make Assumptions. And it really has uh, revolutionized my life to try to always be aware, to not assume things, to not because we live in this, we live in a, we live in a world as creative people, as creators and entrepreneurs, where we constantly, if we're not putting work out there, it's usually because of a fear, and the fear is sometimes usually, well, how will that person look at me? Which is essentially saying, how will that person judge me? How will that person view me? What will people think of it? What if my video is not good enough? All these things are essentially born of assumption that I'm not good enough. That. Uh, someone's going to look at me this way. But really, in reality, it's just mind chatter. It's like mind mess that we're creating. And at the end of the day, none of it may be true. So how much energy is going into thinking about stuff like that? So don't make assumptions. It's a really powerful one. I love that. And also, I noticed on your Instagram, there's always a lot of pictures of books. Are they generally the books you're reading at the moment? or? Uh so right now, the, the ones that you might see on my Instagram are all my books, actually, because they're, they've got a quote with it with the book. So I'm promoting that. But if you scroll down a lot further, there is a lot of books that I put to, at the beginning of the year where uh, these were my top seven books that I, I wanted to recommend at that point. Right. OK. OK. Um, OK. Question number three is what's your favorite app? Oh, what a great question. Uh, my favorite app is Asana. Uh, A-S-A-N-A. -A -A. And the reason I love Asana is because we run a remote company and the remote company has nine people and everyone is across the UK and one person is in the US. And the, the only way we are able to track every client and every stage and every task and every activity is through this project management tool called Asana. And uh, I always say with our, in our company that if it's not in Asana, it doesn't count. Yeah. So I could tap in. I could really tap into it from anywhere in the world and know exactly where everyone's at, what stages we're at, and, and things like that. Brilliant, excellent. Okay. Um, question number four is: What's your biggest business mistake, and what did it teach you? Oh wow! I in you know I talked about the music business, and so earlier on in that journey, we got to this point within five six months where I had you know fifteen thousand people in our database uh, who were interested in my ebook, which was called Forty Nine Ways to Promote My Music. And I thought, I've got to do something about this. I've got so many people here. And so I ran a one-day seminar in London in 2006 called Magnetic Marketing for Musicians. Uh, people paid, I think, £100 to come to this seminar. And we had 12 people there. And we recorded the entire thing. And it was four DVDs and a, a manual. There was no online stuff at that point. So I literally turned this into four DVDs and a manual. And they shipped out from the US because that's where most of the customers were from online. So this was a manufactured product, and here I had 15,000 people, and I did this blanket email to them to say, hey, guys, I've created this product. It's called Magnetic Marketing for Musicians. You will love it. It will help you do A, B, and C. Please get it right now and go to this link. I had so much backlash and hate mail from that one broadcast that it was so shocking uh, what had happened. Uh, people were unsubscribing. People were saying, this isn't for me. People saying, you don't even know me. You don't know where I'm at. How will you help me? Like what's And like... The real thing that I learned from that was that I didn't, one, number one, I didn't meet them where they were at. I didn't go to, I didn't really start with, you know what, I understand that you're a musician. I understand that this is what you're facing. I understand that this is who you are. I understand that these are the struggles you're facing. And I've had these struggles. And now I've put together the best of my learnings into this thing. And this thing will help you. I didn't meet them where they were at. I was just like that tour guide with the big flag in this incredibly busy city and you have to try and find that flag and, and you're calling out to people where instead I really want that person to walk over to me and say, you're the person I'm looking for. You're the person that's, that was supposed to come to me and here I'm coming to you because, and that would just change the whole thing altogether. So that was the first thing that I learned. And the second thing in that same situation was that I learned that on that list were not 15,000 musicians, but they were all separated out into 15,000 individuals who are guitarists and drummers and piano players and vocalists and singers and songwriters and music teachers, all at the different levels of beginner, intermediate, and, and, and expert. And, uh, and until I could really understand who they were, 
I often say now that if, if, if you're not getting enough clients, if you think your marketing and sales isn't working and you're not getting the results you want, it's usually because you don't care about your customer uh, and you don't care enough to learn who they are. So I learned these two big, big things at that point. Wow. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, question number five is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? I don't think that you can harmonize work and life. I don't think that uh, you can you can balance the two. I, I really don't. I think that if you've found something that's caught you, Jeff Bezos says you don't find your passions, your passions find you. Uh, I spoke to, you know, as part of, as part of the book, what I'm doing is releasing a you know, one series, uh, eight episode, very special podcast series, which starts on 3rd July. And uh, one of the uh, eight guests that I'm bringing on is a couple named Matthew Glover and Jane Land. They're the founders of something called Veganuary. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're basically championing here in the UK uh, the idea of trying veganism for one month. And the way that campaign has exploded is, is, is really extraordinary. What a great success story. But at the same time, um, I, I love their story because here's Matthew who has two very successful businesses and completely sold them. Uh, uh, he's actually from Yorkshire. And, uh, and Jane, who, who is, a, is a teacher and has given that up just because they have found this passion that has truly captivated them. It's like a virus. You cannot leave it. You become hijacked. You become, you become, you know, differently abled um, than anybody else because you're truly immersed in that work. So I don't think that there's anything such as work in life. I think I go to sleep with my work and I wake up with my work. And I think that if I try ever, and I have for many years, try to balance it. I have for many years, try to take up other interests, but every single thing always circles back to this vision and this motivation and this mission that I have for, for the work that I'm creating. Yeah. How do you, with, with, with that sort of um, approach, how do you make sure that you are taking care of yourself on a, on a sort of mental and physical elm as well? Because, you know, some people do it really, really well and some people don't. And I've done it really badly and gone to burnout. So mm. how, do, how do you, because I get what you're saying completely and majority of entrepreneurs that I've ever met love what they do and find it very hard to switch off. And, and, and one of the reasons why I chose harmonizing and balance is I think harmonizing is about blending the two. You know, I've, I've got my family that I want to make sure I'm spending time with, but I've got my other passion, which is my work. And it's, and it's that constant battle of, well, maybe it's not a battle, it's just going, okay, what do I need to prioritize at this moment in time? How do you, how do you manage that? If you are, if you're wanting to, you know, have the, have the quality time, even self-quality time or whatever, how does that philosophy work with you? Yeah, really great question. And I definitely have some practices and I'll run through them very quickly. But I think that what you have said was hit the nail on the head, which is that at, at any point in time, we have the choice because we live in such a great world where we can choose to prioritize what we want. Um, uh, John D. Martini is a great author and speaker, and he says that you live your life based on the hierarchy of values that you you put into practice. So, like, if your biggest value is your work, you're going to spend most of your time there. If your worst, if your lowest value is your health, uh, you're hardly ever going to go to the gym. Uh, so, you can switch those values out. You you can you can put you know your your wife or your family at the top. You could put your kids at the top if you really consciously made that decision to, because we have in our power the right to choose that. So based on that, I think that, you know, like I will make sure that uh, I spend the time that's required with my wife every day or every other day or whatever is required for us to make sure that uh, we're hearing each other, we're being with each other. Uh, that usually means I will leave my phone in the kitchen when I'm in the living room or leave my phone charged upstairs when I'm downstairs or vice versa. I think that that, that, that is a hugely beneficial uh, practice like just stay away from your phone that's the most important thing when you're when you're not in that zone of working the other thing i would say is that the most important thing that i've discovered over the last few years is the power of sleep and uh, i do not uh, uh, make this a joke i do not underestimate it i give myself as much sleep as my body needs before i feel completely awake i don't work with an alarm clock if i ever need to use an alarm clock i use something called sleep cycle which basically is a, is a great app that will you set yourself a 30 minute window to be which you want to be woken up in and it measures when you're in your lightest sleep and then it rings the alarm so that you're not dist what most alarms do is they ring at a specific time and you, they don't even measure whether you're in your deepest sleep 
So when you're in your deepest sleep and the alarm rings, you typically will always press the button that says snooze. Um, so, uh, yeah, so sleep has been the most powerful, nourishing thing in my life, you know, in the last few years, the most, the most eye-opening thing, you know, and it's also in science, the, the least thing we know about, interestingly. So, um, so sleep, you know, putting the phone away is important. Uh, I make sure that I have a very fresh green smoothie every single morning. That's really important to me. Uh, and also the final thing I would say and add to that is when it comes to time for myself, if I need to, I will take time off very easily. I will shut off for the day. I will read. And, you know, like tonight is England versus Belgium in the World Cup. I'm yeah. going to be completely watching that. I'm not going to work during that time. So that's, that's, yeah. like, that's, like, that's like how I will find stuff to do and take some time, take time away from it. But I know yeah. that immediately after the match, I'm going to be, okay, what's going on now? Let's look at the next thing. It's gone, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and, and, and probably a big part of it is, is, is once you've done that and, and it, everything's fine, it's don't, don't do guilt over the fact that you what you think you should be doing if something's important <laughs> you know yeah. then it's moved to that and i think that's sometimes the battle as well yeah exactly i have in the past felt guilt when i've not spent enough time with my my wife or my family or you know i'm very bad at keeping in relationships with my family i'm very open about saying that because uh, i just am and it's usually because maybe I'm not excited enough by it, or maybe I'm a lot more fast moving than I would like to be. And there are times, like I've been on this trail of book launch stuff for the last two and a half weeks. Yesterday, the book launched on 26th. Yesterday was the 27th. I needed the day off. I literally did nothing else but just hang out at home, read a little bit, sit in the garden, watch the, watch the football. That was it. And, you know, that was, I was kind of saying what you were saying with the burnout, but I literally worked like 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. for two and a half weeks. And yesterday was the day I needed for everybody else to feel like I'm here. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Okay, question number six. What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Oh, that's a great question. The, 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 the answer to that is really going back to that previous failed uh, learning, which is you need to be able to put yourself in the shoes of your customer, not just intellectually, but emotionally. You need to know uh, at their heart uh, what matters? You need to know what what they're thinking, what they're believing, what they're what they're assuming, what they know. You need to get to that point where you you really are in their shoes. That's one. Can I add another one? Yeah, of course, absolutely. I would say that the only way to be truly consistent in your work, because remember, success is measured in the past. So the only way to be truly consistent with your passion is to make sure that the work you're doing aligns from the soul level, the heart level, and the mind level. I call it the soul set, the heart set, the mindset. Once you've got those three in complete alignment, it's like your spine is in complete alignment. Uh, there's absolutely no way that the work that you do will fail, and you would do that work even if you knew it would fail. Yeah, I get. Uh, yeah, I understand that completely. Okay, question number seven: What is your definition of success? Uh, passion plus consistency equals success. Success can be measured financially if you look back and five, 10 years, but also when you look back in five, 10 years and you count the number of sparkling eyes in the conversations that you've had and the impact that you've had, that for me is success. Brilliant, excellent, okay. Um, number eight is, do you have any morning routines that helps you get prepped for the day uh, ahead? Not, not really, I do meditate and I do have the green smoothie, and I, I, but usually I will pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, fantastic. Okay, the final question is the life lesson question. So that's basically things that I've learned through recovering from my illness and starting my own business. Um, what you, um, all you need to do is pick a number between one and 50. Whatever it lands on, it gives us a final talking point. It's okay to disagree with it because obviously it's our own experiences. So, Kavit, please pick a number between one and 50. Oh, what a great question. Number 29. Number 29 is honesty, honesty with yourself and others. So really this was about, I remember that when I was ill um, and when I was looking at going through my, I guess, my crucible moment, my life-changing moments, I realized that, number one, I lied an awful lot to myself. And number two is in order sometimes to protect myself, I um, possibly wouldn't be as truthful and honest with others. And the biggest lesson I've learned is, is always be true to yourself because you're just, you're just BSing yourself and there's no growth or benefit from that. And you sometimes need to have those challenging questions and challenging conversations to others in order to move forward and grow. And I'm mm. just wondering what you thought about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing is the ability to be vulnerable, um, because when you're vulnerable and you're willing to let yourself go and you're, you're willing to speak from the heart, somebody will truly hear that, even if it's not the truth that they wanted to hear. So I definitely agree about that. But also, I think that the moment, you know, something shows up as as fear and you're able to embrace it with that vulnerability, you, what you're really saying is, ah, here you go, ego, I can see you, you know, hey, ego, I can spot you. And when you say to the ego that I see you, it immediately is surprised because our ego is never, never, never stopped. You know, like the most, the, the reason we don't want to be honest with ourselves, the reason we don't want to be in tune with the reality of what and how things are or with other people or even ourselves is because our ego is stopping us from doing it. And so the moment we realize that initial tension appear where we're trying to be honest and we were trying to take that next step, but some tension appears, it's usually where uh, a great point to recognize the ego. And that's when you would ask yourself, you know, hey, my soul or hey, me, what is it that you want? And usually, you know, the answer is I want more wonder in life. I want more fascination in life. I want more aliveness in life. And uh, then how do you fuel that? And the only way to fuel that is to, to step out of that comfort zone, which is to be that honest person, to be that honest being. Yeah. And I love that because I always I remember when I um, got well and started in my training as a coach and a therapist and stuff. I remember the, the one question was to ask myself, OK, what do I really feel? Mm. And to remove and generally the first answer was always the truth. Yeah. So then, then all of a sudden, is, is my, you know, as you say, my ego or whatever else wants to come in and start throwing in the excuses or throwing in whatever. But the the first answer that I've, was put down on paper or answered to someone was generally the truth. Wow, and it's, beautiful! It, and it's it it is an amazing way that when we can let let ourselves go and just go as as you say, be vulnerable to to ourselves within ourselves. And just answer that question. It's 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 amazing. The um, the freedom might not be the right word, but the it, certainly from my experience, the freedom it gave me to be able to be me, and mm. to be able to express me was just unbelievable. That's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> so, sir, the floor is now yours. Could you please share with us how we can find out more about you? Where can we get this awesome book? which I'm really looking forward to read. Um, where can we, um, what What else have you got to share with us? Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, if anybody needs help with taking what they're doing and growing, and growing it online, the best place to find us is to start a conversation at insiderinternetsuccess.com, I-N-S-I-D-E-R, internetsuccess.com. And uh, we are basically creating we have basically a 30-minute session for you you can sit with our business coach you can discuss all these details and the other thing i would like to say is the book is called don't sleep on it uh, turn your passion and expertise into a profitable online business it's an amazon bestseller on launch day itself in the sales and marketing category so i think you're going to really love it people are really enjoying it the feedback is great so you can go to anywhere you want to buy it on on, on paperback kindle uh, an audiobook, you can go to Amazon, you can go to wordery.co.uk, you can go anywhere you buy books basically and get it. Uh, and then once you get it, what I would love for you to do is go to don'tsleeponitbook.com and put in your receipt number. And when you put in your receipt number, I've created a bunch of worksheets, uh, some training programs, some Facebook advertising training, some email marketing training, some examples of clients, and uh, you will get all this uh, for free worksheets and materials so that you can use it to enhance your journey uh, as you read the book. So make sure you do that. Brilliant, Kevin. Kevin, just finally, is there any wise words that you would like to share with the listeners that you think could really help them make that, make that step out of maybe the fear side into the being a little bit more courageous with what they're wanting to do to get their business, their brand, and their, their message out there? I think the interesting thing is that, you know, when you're starting out or when you're starting to push out, it's like you're uh, in an airplane and you are moving away from the dock uh, or whatever it's called, and you're moving onto the runway. And for so long, so many of us are stuck on this runway. 
And sometimes we pick up speed and sometimes we slow down. And sometimes we get a bit more momentum and we start again. And then sometimes we slow down. And, you know, we've all experienced this where there's queues of planes and and finally it's now our time to take that lift off. And now if you don't lift off right now, you're going to hit the end of the runway and crash. And so this is the time. This is the time to make it happen. And the other thing is that what most people do is we want to sit in first class and business class and we want to be served all the amazing food and we want to sleep and we want to watch movies, but we want that first class seat not knowing that who we've put in the pilot seat is this incredible person called fear. And so it's that fear guy who keeps putting his or her foot on the pedal uh, and stopping and breaking and jerking and not letting us go out there in the world and do what we want to do, not letting us lift off and fly off and instead pushing us to the end of the world. I would like you to recognize that fear is not something we overcome. Fear is something we ride alongside by. Fear is amazing in our life because when it really needs to be there and help us, it is there. But unfortunately, fear doesn't have an understanding of intensity. So fear is intense all the time. So what we need to do is say, at this point in life, guys, fear, well, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go sit in economy at row 58 in this aisle A, have the window seat. You'll get all the food you want. You'll get all the trimmings. You'll get everything. Let me be the pilot. Brilliant. I love that. Kevin, thank you very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on your show. And I just want to say, wishing you the greatest success. Oh, thank you for having me, Jeff. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening. I really appreciate the support. If you'd like to know more about me, my services, and how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. And that's Jeff, G-E-O-F. I also invite you to join my growing community on Facebook, search for Jeff Nicholson UK and join like-minded people because it would be absolutely awesome to see you there. You can tune in and listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. If you have enjoyed the show and have time, please leave a rating and review and because it, it really does help me grow the show and make the impact I'm aspiring to do with the show. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week.